This is Coda Radio, episode 227 for October 17th, 2016. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. Oh, I'll tell you more about those sponsors as this year's show goes on. Why me? Thanks for asking. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our host, established on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike. Good afternoon, Chris. Hello, sir. And it is an afternoon just just afternoon here, and all I can think about is today's show. That's not true at all. That's not true at all, actually. No, no. <laughs> oh, I wish it was. You know, but we were just talking, we should mention, we were just talking before the show. What I am, what I have been thinking a lot about is uh, we're, Mike is going to join me for the third presidential debate live on Wednesday. If you guys want to tune in over at jblive.tv and watch that with us, we should mention that right here. But, you know, Mike, actually, this has been a morning of contacting sponsors, doing emails, doing a lot of selling. So I've been a lot, I've been in the sales mode a lot today. Ooh, where's my yeah. money, punk? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and I've, uh, I'm two, cu- two cups of coffee in, so I'm good to, I'm good to go. Two? Oh, it's only noon by you, though. That's fair. <laughs> you know, we are down on the, uh, we, are, we are on the final hours, and by hours, I mean three days for the Coda Radio hoodie or t-shirt at teespring.com. And we have a dash in there because dashes are elegant. Let's, can we all just say that? Dashes are elegant. So you go to teespring.com slash coder dash radio. I, I hope nobody pulls down that dash on you. I know. I know. And how often do you really get to properly use the dash key in a way that feels so satisfying as putting a dash between coder and radio? So that's why you go to teespring.com slash coder dash radio. Finally got the joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's good. And uh, there you go. Yeah. If you don't pull down dash, go, go, go support our dash. <laughs> That's awful. I'm, I'm going to bail now, but it's only got three days left, and we haven't been properly mentioning it, so I didn't Although want we, to. We hit our number in minutes. I mean, that was... That was nice, yeah. But, you thanks know... Thanks for the warm hug. Maybe it was the Seattle storm. Did you hear about that? There no, was a... Uh, so the our local, our local news just made a lot of hay out of a storm that was supposed to roll in over the weekend, and everybody hunkered down because they, were, they really ramped it up for about a week. Some news outlets said it was a 100-year storm. Some said it's the worst since 1965. I mean, they just like all have these arbitrary... Uh, they were, what was it? Uh, uh, Matthew, the hurricane that was supposed to come up by me? Yeah. And then it never happened? Yeah. They were calling it the next Sandy. You know, yeah. Where I live is where Sandy decided to, you know nuclear bomb the shit out of my town yeah 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 the no. uh the the reaction of the bumper thing was here's everybody everybody really kind of overreacted and so a lot of plans got canceled and mm-hmm. the whole the whole a whole pacific northwest shut down for the weekend <laughs> yeah opposite reaction in my neck of the woods people looked at the weather and like yeah that's no sandy i'm fine i was stuck indoors uh mm-hmm. with a sinus infection which was is finally starting Ooh. to clear up but yeah, we started to get a little bit of a mount Did you there. get that from hanging out in locker rooms and talking I to think Donald I, Trump too much? No, I, th- <laughs> no, no I, I think I got it by sharing keyboards. So I'm kind of in the market oh. for a keyboard, Mr. Dominic. Well, well, this is actually a uh, eulogy. Oh, really? My trusty DOS keyboard that I have been using for years now. Oh. Bit it. Ah. Oh. I don't know what happened. But it stopped working, keys stopped responding, and random keys all were sending the return signal. What are you looking for in a keyboard, Mr. Dominic? I mean, what makes it uh, what makes it worth the hassle of picking out a keyboard, reading reviews? What is it that it's giving you? Okay, so first of all, you don't simply take the keyboard that came with your computer and use it. I just want to... It's garbage. It's just garbage. In fact, it's insulting when they ship them to me. I have a graveyard of Dell keyboards. Yeah, in my office. yeah, it's, yep. Rarely in my life have I – actually, I'll say this. Old Macs way back in the day, like uh, I yes. had a Mac 2, C, uh, 2SI or 2CSI back in the day, and it had like a serious mechanical keyboard. Or, and, and the IBM so, PS2 series. I was, so, was going to say the IBM M keyboard too yeah. is really, really top shelf. Mm-hmm. So my tastes have adapted. Code Radio listeners know that my keyboard is like a third host on the show. <laughs> um, it's loud. It is mechanical. It's That's present, yes. Yeah. And – 
you know, when I'm really coding away, no one, everybody knows not to bother me in the office. You can hear because it. Because you can hear it. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's like bam, bam, bam. You're signaling. Now, it had some flaws, and I, and I hate to speak ill of the dead, but I, but I have to say the old DOS keyboard model I had, and remember, I'm going several years back, um, required two USB ports. Whoa, what? Power? Right. Now, uh, yeah, it's one for power, one for data. Yeah, I have so, a big keyboard that has like a USB cord and then it split off with a Y cable is a power connector that's kind of a pain in the butt weird. too. That's weird. Yeah. So it gave you two ports back on the keyboard itself, but using these MacBooks and other laptops, you know, with their miserly USB layouts really was somewhat frustrating. Um, and additionally, for some reasons, debugging through on Xcode or Android Studio through the port on the keyboard used to not work. Yeah, I've had a lot of issues with using the keyboard USB port, and I'll get, like, not sufficient device power or the connectivity issues with memory readers and phones. Yeah, same thing. I had a backup drive hooked up, and it was just, like, connect, disconnect, connect, disconnect. So that got me into a situation where I have a stack of, like, USB hubs everywhere I work. My home office. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I am Radio Shack's best and frankly, final customer. <laughs> so they love me. This <laughs> new DOS keyboard, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to type a little bit. Is that all right? I'm ready for it. I'm waiting for it. Wow. It sounds like it's, that sounds like you get some travel and it sounds like it's a pretty sturdy base of a keyboard underneath it. So there's a few big differences here. One, this is not the cherry blue switch I had before. Oh, I thought uh, that's the one you're always supposed to get. I ended up going with DOS keyboard soft uh, cherry brown, the tactile brown which has less key compression, but trades it for less noise. Okay. Okay. So you're still getting essentially anything better than you'd get from a manufacturer's or an OEM keyboard. Yeah, I, I will say, because I, I just like, before we threw the other keyboard out, I picked it up and was typing on it. It is a compromise solution. And to be fair, I have another one of the old keyboard I have. Mike, uh, this is an amazing piece of uh, social media manipulation by the DOS keyboard folks. Here's the cherry sounds. Listen to this. Okay, and then here's the uh, cherry brown sounds. It really sounds like it's almost half volume. I don't know how I would measure that, but I would say, yeah, it seems roughly half as loud. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you it could also, actually. You could measure it if your other one still worked or if you just wanted to type on it. You could take there's, – there's accurate enough uh, DB, sound DB messages for iPhone because the iPhone actually has really? a pretty good mic array on it. Yeah, and I've actually oh. used that to do some rough sound testing. It's not a professional piece of equipment, but you get, you'll get at least a good baseline and comparable baseline, and the results will be at least uh, from the same measurement tool. It's interesting because at home, at my home office, because, you know, I have to have the same equipment everywhere, I have another copy of the old DOS keyboard, which is the Cherry Blue Switches. That is a, so really, I, good, I, that is a really good thing to do is if, you could, if you're ever in the position where you're buying something for your business and you can buy two of them, yeah. that has served me so well. Now, I'm kind of in a unique position because uh, we do live productions and so I want to be able to get back up online right away. But it has it has served us well from time to time to have two of a couple of different like two of this motherboard, two of this type of uh, capture device, and I end up they eventually end up getting used. So the investment always is 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 worth it, and it's it's great for consistency too. Like when you get muscle memory on a keyboard and you can just fly on it, it's easier to get in the zone. Yeah. That, that's my concern here because with the brown MX switches, well, there's a few big differences. One, this keyboard does not have legs on the back of it. I'm picking up right now so you can hear it on my glass desk it has rubber um rubber built-in feet so to speak okay so it does not stand up and i'm one of those people and i know all the uh, ergonomic rsi people are going to say stop doing that but i always put my legs up on the keyboard and i have it kind of sitting up like an old ibm right or like yeah. an old commodore terminal uh this one cannot do that and the middle of it is actually it looks i'm looking at it flat on my desk here almost like it's concave in the middle where there's a slight it goes down slightly in the center. Right. By, oh, okay. Okay. Hmm. So I'm assuming they're doing that for reasons of ergonomics. Yeah. Probably uh, the way your hands sit on the keyboard too. Yeah. I mean the pictures you have there are actually the old keyboard that I had. Okay. So if you oh, go, yeah. I put a, I put a oh, link in the okay. show notes to Look the exact you. What a, you know what? Thinking ahead, Mr. Dominic. Thinking yeah. ahead. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, a few minor cosmetic differences, right? They added, uh, and, and to be clear, I bought the Mac model because I, I use a Mac at work and Linux at home. 
and the one at home is the the, uh, the generic model, which has a you know it's set up for Windows or Linux. Uh, but this has an audio dial, which I kind of think looks like crap, and I wish they didn't have there. Yeah, I do like a physical. I have so my keyboard. It's a it's a toggle wheel, more like a log built and sunken into the keyboard. Okay. I do like it a lot because every now and then I open up a tab and all of a sudden some audio starts blasting at me. I can just within uh, you know. Uh, the, uh, I'll reflex, reach up and spin that thing all the way down. Wait, that is nice. wait a minute. I just figured something out from the picture. There's this weird bar that I thought was a ruler. That is totally the stand I want. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh. Real time cool. install. There you go. Looks Yeah, so it looks like it has like a little rubber stand that you can attach to the bottom. Yeah, it's plastic. Oh, okay. That makes so much more sense. All right, great. <laughs> Good. Ooh, but it's not sturdy. Okay, it's not sturdy though. So this is the thing, right? This is a nice keyboard. Um, I'm a big DOS keyboard fan, but I will say that it is – I don't know that it's a worthy successor to uh, to the previous model. I would say given the choice of getting the previous model and keeping this, I would probably get the previous model. Interesting. You know, you know that has happened to me now like several times when it comes to keyboards. I am deathly afraid of when my current keyboard dies. It's not even – it's amazing. It's like a Logitech – G something that has a little flip up LCD screen. I got it because it runs Linux on the keyboard, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> I gotta have I gotta have a keyboard that runs Linux. That's amazing." And I've I generally enjoy typing on it. It has great sets of function keys for the few times a year I game, and it has been my home for my fingers now for five years. And uh, I just I just dread the day when I have to replace that thing because I don't have another keyboard in this place I like as much. And I'm not even I'm not even going to stand here and say it, ho- it holds up to a DOS keyboard. I don't know. I just know that my fingers have learned to love it, and it does have good travel to noise ratio. And I even enjoy the sound that it makes. It's one of my favorite places to type. In fact, if I have to do a lot of writing for like if I'm going to script a quick segment or something like a like a like a review thing, I'll write it out on that keyboard because that's where I like to do the majority of my typing. Yeah, I mean, and and, and I will say that DOS keyboard is actually. In the fancy keyboard category, sort of a value brand. Um, you can spend a lot more than the $120 I spent on this keyboard on a keyboard. Huh, Which sounds insane. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know. I would like to hear from the audience. Uh, tweet yeah. tweet uh, Mike and I and uh, let us know what uh, keyboards you've gone with. If they if you've gone with a keyboard that costs more than that, that'd be fascinating. If you've like hit the $300 mark, let me know why. You know what's like, f- you know what's funny is one of my favorite keyboards early on that really I think helped me to learn to type was a Microsoft Split ergonomic keyboard that was insanely expensive back in the day. But I don't even – it might have been $180, which just to me seemed crazy. See, I never liked the uh, ergonomic – I see – yeah, the, I know the one you're talking about, right? It's kind of rounded. And, yeah, and it's white and it has a yeah. huge like uh, chin for your palms. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't love them, but I, I went – I think that's when I went from a uh, – a, a mostly hunt and peck to a 100% touch type t- touch type and now i i type extremely fast and i think big part of it is because i spent a couple of years on that ergonomic keyboard and i had to have my hands separated yeah i think uh you know the way i found us keyboarders i was looking for modern keyboards with usb capabilities uh years back that were like the ibm m right yeah and the old model really was a it comes in black IBM M clone in, in so many ways. This is – it's still got the spirit of it, but it's definitely more – I don't know. Like I, I, I'm particularly not sure about these brown switches. Um, while I like the fact that I can be on the phone and type out a quick note to someone on Slack and not you know, have that be insanely rude. Sure. I – try to avoid being on the phone as much as possible. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, we'll see. We'll see when I go home tonight and I do work in my home office and I'm back on the blue switches. Will I feel, uh, you know, will I feel a big difference. Yeah. You know, I've, I've also experimented with, um, I got this, I think I got it, I don't remember, years ago. Years, I bought two of them. Haha, <laughs> see? I got a, uh, it's a, it's a USB to PS2 adapter, but it turns out those old Model M keyboards hold more power than your average USB keyboard does. So this is one of the things this adapter had. It had like a, a capacitor. I don't know how exactly how it did it, but it, it supplied the proper amount of power that the uh, Model M keyboard needed. So I was able to take the old PS2 connection and plug it into a USB port. But the issue there is that one of the things I think maybe we don't remember about those keyboards is they are 
huge. I'd say they're wider in length than the than the width of like a twenty seven inch monitor. Oh, and they're heavy too. They yeah. are force trauma murder weapons. Yeah. Of course, there's a subreddit: mechanical keyboards slash r slash mechanical keyboards. You know, I, I feel like these are, and, and and I have to say, I also have fancy headphones, and I, you know, so, but like <laughs> the, like the SLR guys, right? Who are just like, oh, you need this shutter speed and this. I'm sure there's this lens and yeah. yeah, yeah, some rabbit hole we could go down that I don't think we should go down. You're right because you can you can spend time you know custom picking the keys and just you can really yeah, I, go on. I, like for my home workstations, my Raytel, I could have bought instead of the, you know, and I bought them years ago and I buy the default. So it's always a Windows key or a command key. Uh, you can buy keycaps that are Linux. So you can buy like a Tux or an Ubuntu keycap from them. Yeah, you know, we're going to, Jupyter Broadcasting's working on a last logo that goes over the Windows logo on the super key. Yeah, I would totally buy that. Like if you, if you, because yeah. it's super. Well, you can just ask the sticker queen. She'll send you one because uh, it's, we already have proof. I actually have right here in my hands. I'm going to slap them together. That's the proof copies right here. So we're working uh, close. So I'll have to slack this. She really yeah. is the sticker queen. Bro. Yeah, you see, just ask her, and I'm sure she'd set some aside for you. Right. Um, yeah. So there's, you know, you know what, you know what, a surprisingly interesting place to look at crazy keycaps is. And shout out to Rikai for kind of bringing this to my attention. If you will, if you do want to go a little further into keyboards and you and you want to maybe save some money, Mass Drop, which is sort of like a community buying site where you get a bunch of people in on one deal and they they should sponsor. I'm just doing an ad for them. Uh, anyways, you go there and enough people buy and they will sell it at a certain price and they have a big keyboard community. Noah just bought it. A hell of a a hell of a keyboard cap set. It's really cool. It's an old uh-huh. typewriter style. Yeah, they have a keyboard community. Isn't yeah, that something? You know what? It's so funny. I'm on their mailing list because I almost bought a carbon fiber fountain pen from them. <laughs> well, you said headphones. I actually got a great pair of headphones. Uh, we do, do we have to start the headphones? I mean, no. I no, will, no it's all yeah, right. If, don't even get me started on the jackasses using Bluetooth wireless headphones. I will. Email me, Mastrop, Chris at JupiterBroadcasting.com. There could be a place for you here on the Coder Radio program. There could be. And JetBrains. <laughs> yeah. I just paid all my subscriptions yesterday, so. And, and DOS keyboard while we're at it. Yeah, please. <laughs> Jeez. In the meantime, you know what we should do? We should actually. An actual ad? Yeah, we should yeah. thank the people that are actually sponsoring this, like DigitalOcean. Yeah. In fact, if you go to DigitalOcean.com and you use our promo code CoderDigital, you'll get a $10 credit. And I, I would encourage you to try this because it's so simple and straightforward. You create the account, no big deal. And then you apply the balance. You, I don't even – if I recall, I mean it's now been over two years since I've set up my account. Uh, I don't even think you have to put in any kind of payment information. You can just use our promo code, Coder Digital, to give you a $10 balance. And then you can go create a machine. Now, Di- DigitalOcean is a very simple and straightforward way to set up a Linux rig or a FreeBSD rig on their incredible infrastructure. They call them droplets, and they're all backed by SSD storage. And you can get started for $5 a month. And pricing plans at $5 a month mean you can have – range to experiment and then throw it into production and they have the easy, easy, easy front end to expand storage, expand memory, expand all the stuff you need as your user base grows. So you can start at $5 a month and go from there. In fact, you can also break it down hourly. I love their three cents an hour rig. You get two gigs of RAM, a two core processor, 40 gigabyte SSD. They're all SSDs and three terabytes of transfer for three cents an hour. Now, Coder Digital will give you a $10 credit. There's a lot you can do with that. And they have entire application stacks you can deploy, or you can deploy just the base installation and build it yourself. They've also recently rolled out high memory droplets. So if you've got something that you want to build on a fast system that has a ton of RAM and a ton of CPU and lots of bandwidth, you can spin up a droplet. And for 71 cents an hour, you could have 64 gigs of RAM and an 8-core processor with a 200-gigabyte SSD. That could save you a lot of time, probably more than 71 cents. Think about it. Just use our promo code Coder Digital and go build something. Go try out hosting your own own cloud or next cloud instance. Or maybe GitLab or maybe your blog. DigitalOcean.com makes it all possible. And with their API, you can use tons of community-written tools or write your own to manage your droplets to make it even easier. And if you've got an Android or iOS device, there's tons of good apps to pick from to manage your droplets right from your phone. DigitalOcean.com. Data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, and even India and Germany. That is nuts how fast they've grown since they've become a sponsor. I'm sure it's all thanks to us, too. Just use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. That supports the show and gives you a $10 credit over at DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean.com. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. So last week, you and I started to scratch the surface on what turns out to be 
a huge story. It was just really beginning to develop last Monday. And of course, I'm talking about Dash. Now, if you recall, Dash was pulled from the App Store, and then it started to get a little weird. It's not odd for an app to get pulled, but this guy's entire account got shut down, which generated a little bit of buzz. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we should just really quickly run through the facts of the case, uh, you know, especially for folks who don't follow kind of the App Store. Yeah, okay. So so Dash is a very popular app for macOS and uh, iOS that allows you to basically locally save API documentation and with just a couple customizable keystrokes, search them. Seems to be well regarded too. Very well regarded and it integrates with Xcode um, in all the JetBrains IDEs. I think Visual Studio Code, uh, Alfred, Quicksilver, all this kind of stuff that people are using. I'm pretty – I just had it set up on mine to be a custom keystroke thing where it would just pop up and do a search and I had custom keystrokes for the different APIs. And it's available on the Mac as well as iOS, Mac right? as well, right? More popular on the Mac is my understanding. Oh, OK. Uh, so you know, it's uh, developed by this Romanian fellow whose, name, whose company's name was Capelli and unfortunately whose – First name I just can't pronounce, so leave it alone. It was one of those apps that was doing like well, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and shockingly uh, well, actually. And from, from what it's I understand, well enough that the developer was known, and that's sort of helpful in this particular case. Right. Now, one day the developer gets a, a email from Apple saying that his account has been shut down for fraud. He tries to contact Apple. They don't respond at first. So he writes this blog post, and there's a big hoopla on Twitter. Okay. There's some back and forth. Um, you know, he he then gets contacted by Apple, who, you know, had done something strange at this point. They'd actually publicly said that there was fraud. And Which my understanding is, was that there was some communication before Apple went public with that, but essentially a back and forth. He sent them something, and he never heard anything back, and then Apple spoke well, to so, the press. So here's the problem, right? Uh, and this story gets very weird, and you know, I've been, I was on Twitter a lot about this, and I, I'm, I still think Apple is wrong to chastise him, um, but it is, a, it is a little more muddy. So it, it, it did develop yeah. to the point where he took to his blog and he wrote up his side of the story and he he pasted some communications he had with Apple. And then at the end, he did something that caught a lot of people's attention is he embedded about an eight-minute phone call with the Apple representative who seemed to be one step away right. from Phil Schiller who runs the App Store. Right. Uh, so that's That so, was a big move. So he, here's where Apple has a case. Let's just – before we go down the rabbit hole. The other account so – the, the issue was not that the Dash account was committing fraud. It's that previous in his career, he had built – or presumably he had. There's some ambiguity about whether he had built these apps or a relative who at first folks thought was his cousin, but he claims is his mother, um, built these shovelware apps, and he had loaned them his credit card, this person who he says is his mother – to and we have no no one's ever refuted that it's not his mother. To be clear, that's not something that's kind of up for contention. To um, you know, open their own developer account, right? So he says his mom is a engineer herself. She wanted an account because he didn't want to work on these apps. She wanted to work on these apps and do her own thing and have her own Apple account. Okay, so he gave her uh, his credit card and a device too, right? And some old test devices, right? Apple says that linking, paying for both accounts with the same credit card and using the same test devices caused the link. Now, I think there. I think when you're looking at the story at this particular element, you have to factor. You have to factor a little U.S. bias here, where in some countries. <clears throat> It is not common for people to have credit cards. So only so, and if you have a service that requires a credit card, this might be an understandable solution. In there, he might be the one that has the credit card in their group. Right. I, I I don't. You know. I feel like from Apple's perspective, though, I can definitely see the shared credit card argument. What I don't understand is one they they did two things that I think are actually or three things really that are pretty scary. 
They claim that having the same UUIDs of test devices and the same bundle IDs makes the account linked. Well, I can just make up bundle IDs, right? Mm, okay. Or more importantly, if I do an app for a client, you know, Xcode auto-generates the bundle ID or my iOS device at the time or one of my stack of test devices ends up on their account too as a registered device for code signing. And then I resell my devices, right? Once, yes. once I, they go this out of support. This has to be a common scenario. I sell. So I don't really have that much of an issue with the credit card thing. I think it's silly, but I understand like U.S. law, all the – for entity and legal crap, all the yeah. American law cares about is who paid the account. And there are only so many parameters that a company can use to verify the ID of people at right. scale. I mean they're dealing with tens of thousands if not millions of developers and so they can't personally call each – person behind a credit card and verify it's them, they have to go by certain parameters. And, and the credit card and device IDs seem like two pretty solid uh, criteria. I don't think I have any issue with this particular aspect. Uh, so I, I, I have a pretty big issue with the device ID, actually, because I sell several devices a year. Yeah, right? I think a lot of developers so, probably do. And, and, I, and I, my devices go on client accounts, and God knows what my clients do. Right? I think, I think you, if you consider it as an overall mix of evidence, it's maybe a little more sound. But as a, as a primary source of evidence, you're right. That has to be a common scenario that a lot of developers sell their devices. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that is an issue. Another so, issue is – Okay, go ahead. Well, well let's, let's just keep moving, right? And then he opened uh, Capelli, which is a corporation uh, meant to you – know, his, his business was just running Capelli. So technically, ought that not be a separate legal entity? Now, it gets muddy because U.S. law, since he paid for it personally, he kind of fucked up. He should have opened a corporate credit card. Yeah. But apparently his argument is in Romania and a lot of folks in Eastern Europe have – we're tweeting at me and others saying that you don't understand in Eastern Europe, it's a lot harder to open a company and just walk into the bank and get a debit or credit card. Maybe that's true. I'm sure it is. I mean, this is where, again, our bias is hard. What is interesting and you know even scarier is, one, would Apple have even like talked to him if he wasn't able to garner this big outcry, right? And the answer is pretty obviously no. Until it started blowing up on Twitter – no one re- at Apple really gave a shit. Uh, he was beat. Also, shouldn't Apple just be the bigger man here and say, okay, well, I'm going to not let your mother do this random fraud and wink, wink, I really... Because I got to be honest, I'm not so sure that his defense makes sense. Right? <laughs> the, the, this is where it all falls apart. My issue is that two accounts should be treated separately. You shouldn't be able to make these tenuous causal links between accounts. Um, that is a scary precedent for Apple to, to have. Let's, let's say, Chris, you have a startup, you know, Jupiter apps, and then your startup fails and there were some bad feelings with Apple. Then you open Mercury apps or whatever. And they're going to say, you know, gee, Chris, uh, fuck you. It's a different entity, but we don't like you. So you're gone. Mm. Is that really what we want? And, and the whole idea, if you listen to the phone call, it's a little chilling to hear that the problem is that. Phil is upset, right? That they look bad in the press. Well, this is the part that bothers me the most. And you look, you look bad because you are Goliath punching down. And it, it's you, he was insistent, insistent, insistent that he say that Apple did nothing wrong or that he takes some some culpability. Right. They were they uh, were really concerned about their appearance in this entire thing. And they kept and their apologists, including people in the chat room, keep making the defense. Well, they did contact him. They did not. On the phone call, they admit that he did not control the account. That was in question, and they had only sent the warnings to that account. So this guy woke up one morning, and his account that he was using was gone. So here's my question. If the accounts are linked, why wouldn't they both get the same notices? Why do you even allow linked accounts? Why not just merge them? So, I mean, in Apple's perspective, the same credit card was used, the same bank account, the same Apple ID, and the same bundle ID were committing fraud – that to a degree they say well, had to be well, shut the down. Thing, they well, say the it was same, like a they, but they say it was a thousand fraudulent reviews. It's it's pretty obvious uh, just from the context of Apple's argument that like his mom or somebody bought one of those disreputable like Indian app marketing services, right? And they, you know, th- this could all be unknowing fraud. His mom, huh? Well, he, yeah, I don't know why he said it was his mother. I mean, that's. But let's let's even say he did own the other account, right? Because I I. 
something does smell wrong about it was my mom defense. Um, it's very, you know, third grade, why are you late to school? And also his insistence, I did nothing wrong, I did nothing wrong. Well, the whole point of like two accounts, two entities is to hide li- – or not to hide but to separate liability, right? So either Apple should have said these accounts are one and the same and merge them or force him to merge them but notify both accounts or these accounts are separate and then they're separate and then you close the one and you don't close the other. You know, I – I've noticed, uh, speaking of separation, I've noticed that this is probably one of the things that comes back to bite developers years into the process. Right. And so uh, I think you, if you look at what he did, I think he did make an error. I think he did do something wrong. He didn't no, I, separate it properly. I actually think he owned both accounts. I'll be totally straight with you. Yeah. I, it, the whole my mom argument seems kind of weird. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't mean to denigrate anybody. Well, my point is if you have two different accounts with two different legal entities and when he changed his account to be the Capelli corporate account, it should have been Capelli's account now. There should be no connection to him personally. Unless Apple's argument is he needed to open now a third account brand new with a Capelli credit card. Then when they walked him through the conversion process, they should have had him do that instead of converting, right? I, I, I don't like the double dealing of – you know, making a qualitative judgment about the person. He doesn't need to, he, you know, with the Dash app at least, he isn't in the position of needing uh, to buy reviews. But what do we know? So I guess well, the they say it was 25 apps. And do we know if any of those yeah. were apps were owned by his one of his own accounts? Well, this is where it gets even muddier. So way back when, uh, when he first started operating under the name Capelli, but mm. it's not, the the Reddit detectives have been on the case. It's not super clear if Capelli was actually a real legal entity at the time. He did list all of the apps, including Dash, when it first launched together on his website. So there is some argument to say that these really are one entity, right? Even if that's true, he why allow him to separate the accounts to begin with, right? So at some point, Apple had to say, these are obviously two different entities. You can have two accounts. So they let him have two accounts. Then at some point years later, they said, no, this is one entity. So we're punishing both accounts. Do you see the logical error there? I can, I can, I can actually, you know, to be honest with you, I'm surprised when you talk about it like this, I'm surprised that the account wasn't shut down beforehand. Well, I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised he was allowed to separate the accounts. Yes, Um, exactly, because if it's the same bank account and the same credit card. Once he did that, once he separated the accounts, they should have been treated as two separate accounts. So do you feel like this is – do you feel like this sets any precedence? So what do we have here? We have Apple playing hard with a developer. They went to the press. Uh, We have a developer who's now up the ante by posting a phone call with Apple. And I think we should be uh, pretty straightforward about the fact that he didn't get – I don't – I think I disagree with you um, about him getting special treatment after he got a Twitter battle. I know I know of some some fairly unknown developers who they've had issues with their developer accounts, simple things like even credit card issues, and they end up on they end up on the phone with somebody from Apple Developer Relations. I have never before heard of a case where Apple punitively closed an account and was willing to talk to the person. Okay, yeah, I guess suppose about that. I I just it seems I mean, to be I've pretty standard procedure. There. It seems to be pretty standard procedure for the, for them though to they have people that actively call the developers and have discussions well, with them and we've no, never gotten and they're good about, you know, like technical issues or stuff like well, that, but I've heard of a case where okay. it was a punitive action. My point is though is we've never heard that audio posted before. Usually because it's illegal to record it. Um so Romania. this is Right. right. Romania does not. So this sets the bar is what I'm saying. So here's a precedent potentially is this spat where you take to your blog and you shame Apple publicly. The level of attention grabbing has been raised here by embedding the audio of the call. I just think that might be noteworthy. For, and and then we also at this point, he has not gotten his account reinstated and he hasn't. Well, I don't think I mean, this is the thing, right? I, I can see both sides of the case. I see what you're saying. I see what, uh, you know, what I consider the Apple apologists are saying. I think there that, has been some precedent set, though. That, well, there is some smoke here for sure. 
but you know why not ban the second account not let those apps back in the store and just say you know this is your one and only warning that seems like that's the solution yeah I mean, I, you know, demanding for him to do Apple's PR for them, I thought was silly. Now, I would not be against saying, here's the deal. You keep your mouth shut from here on out. You get to keep your account. If you don't, goodbye. Like, I, I don't even think it's wrong for them to, like, blackmail him into silence. <laughs> I think it's wrong for them to ask him to make their PR case for him. Um, and, and I also and, – and it's only wrong because they are huge, the biggest company in the world, and he's one dude in Romania. I mean – I, I guess because it's they're extremely sensitive to this issue and developer issues in general, and I think it it shows you that Apple is much more concerned about the public discussion about them than they let on publicly. And I think they're very they very much want to. They believe here's what I here's what I fully feel is they believe that this guy has done actively committed fraud, and so they just want everything cleared up. And if, you listen, if you listen to the audio of the call, they don't refute his claim that he didn't control the account. I agree, but I – I mean really. OK, but you have to – so what is your argument? Because his story is kind of laughable. Yeah, the reason why – the mother argument, does he live with his mother? And so that for that way he can claim that the IPs that connected would be the same. I mean it seems just like a it, bullshit his, argument. His argument is his mother is also an engineer and he did not feel those apps were valuable enough to, for him to continue to work on. So his mother was willing to do it to you know have some, I guess, siding. I don't know, I don't know what their situation is personally, right? I'm, I'm assuming it's a commercial uh, venture for her. It sounds like the my wife defense. I mean, where I, where you, you First of all, that defense is grace. Oh, my wife didn't give me the message. Um, I, so I've see, been in the a world situation. we're living in is so scary, though, right? Because the 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 punishment basically destroys this guy's. It certainly destroys his iOS business because he can't, you know, he can't not be on the app store. And yeah, that's the, the apps. Yeah, yeah I, I'm sure it damaged. Back, see, this is getting back to the precedent setting that I, I was talking about. Regardless of who's right or wrong, there is some precedence that's being set here that I don't know if it's a good thing at all. Really, still feels like it's a it's a so long shot, but it still feels like it's a risk to be in the app store. So, mine. Okay, so we've had this argument, right? You and I. You seem to fundamentally think that because his story is kind of silly apple is right is that where you're coming from no i i think that uh there probably could have been clear communication that they both they both made mistakes especially with the going to the press stuff right i just feel like apple should make it right because apple can totally do that and the best part about being apple is if he pisses you off later you can just you know hammer him again (laughs) i would say i would say that's what they should they should they should continue the conversation offline Although they're probably afraid that anything else they say to him will get published. They, but if they could, they should consider it uh, continued offline and just reinstate his one account. But well, that's I, what I'm saying. Keep, keep the bad account bad. Keep it gone yeah. and don't allow those apps back on the store. And, and honestly, you know. But here's the flip side, Mike. Here's the problem. Maybe they have a pretty sound conclusion that he was in control of the account. But they don't, at this point, want to come out and ruin it anymore by publicly shaming him more. So they just have to shut up. And just take it. So, so you're thinking they have like IP logs or maybe Mac. Like they can also probably tell what Mac you're using to deploy. Come on. They, oh, of course. They have all right. kinds of so, information. So you're right. You're saying they may have some stronger evidence. But again, if that were their state of the case, that, dude, these were uploaded on the same computer at the same day. I think the their position now is we've made a mistake by going to the press in the first place. And then our phone call got posted. This is this has gotten this has gotten worse. They What's want this whole thing. They want it to go away. They want it to go away. And if they go to iMore or they go to Gruber or whoever with an exclusive about what's going on, all they do is stoke the fire. And so they might I, have dirt on this guy. And the only yeah. thing you'll, the only thing we'll ever know is is if he ever gets his account reactivated or not. Well, the other thing too, right? Like, if I'm this guy, I would love to like call a lawyer and be like, "Hey, is there any way I could sue Apple now?" I mean, I know it's the dev agreement says I can't. Either wait, isn't there? There must be. There must be something in the dev agreement about There's indemnification, right? No, there must be something in there too about. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, by posting communications, by posting a phone call, that may that may very well trigger another offense internally in their review system, and that might well, disqualify dev- him from getting reactivated right there. Well, the dev agreement is at their will, to be honest with you, right? Yeah, of course. 
But I'm, I'm trying to think if they have anything. I can't remember if they have anything. And Azer is right. They actually made a statement to the press before he published the audio of the call. Right. So it was a vague statement about you know thousands of fraudulent yeah. reviews. That's the, was, that's what I'm talking about. That's where they made their mistake by going to the press there, and I think that's why they won't they won't they won't talk about this anymore. No, I think this is done. I mean, I, I just think that you know they are the bigger man, uh, both in really. Every My prediction man. would be if there's not genuine fraud on his account, they'll reactivate the one legit account that hosted the dash was hosted from, and you'll see a blog post from him saying that things have been cleaned up, and it'll be fairly short on the details. I all Apple has to do, man, is sit back for two weeks and let him not get any sales, and then he'll we'll be let him bleed, right? Yep. And then he's going to be in a much better position to speak. Right, and technically, technically, he could open a. And again, this is Romania, but if if you were in the states, and because I only Chris and I only know how to do this in the United States, he could, you know, go to Delaware.gov, open an LLC right now or an S corp with a different name, go to a bank, yeah, get a debit card. And within two weeks, be up and running with a new App Store account. And he could simply sell, right, in quotes, Dash to the new company for a dollar. Yeah, that'd be and, a good trick. And now you have technically something, that is a different entity. Some, yes. Something tells me this guy has a hard time figuring out those kind of maneuvers, speaking of separate entities, because if he had that kind of level of sophistication, he wouldn't have wound up in this problem in the first well, that's, place. That's like business. That's like remedial business in the United States, right? You <laughs> always Yep. Right, you always keep it separate, separate, just in case something happens. You, sh- you should have had it separated yeah. out, and that's the lesson right. to take away from this, big time. Because Dash would still be in the App Store; he'd still be making money right now. I mean, ironically, hey, Dash developer, this should help you. You don't have to be in the United States to open a Delaware S corp or an LLC. Hey, you good tip, everybody. Go online <laughs> and just do it. Like a lot of Chinese people do it to hide their money. And wow, yeah. That's a that's a the more you know moment here on the Coda Radio and, and program. Now you have not only an American card, you have an American bank account and an American uh, tax ID or EIN number. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you'll be treated like a domestic developer. So uh, I guess in closing, we just have to stay tuned and see what happens with this account. Yeah. But and we may yeah. never know the full story because, of course, we're mostly hearing one side. But well, uh, and, he, and he's been silent for now. So I I do hope that you're right and there's some sort of like back channel or they're like, bleeding them out. <laughs> or they're just watching. It's just like why not? If uh, you know what, why not make him shut up for a little bit? Make him wish he was making some money because that's probably good money in Romania. And I, I mean, if I'm Phil Schiller and I'm a little pissed off at this, uh, and I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm projecting here, but I would think if I'm Phil Schiller, I'm a little pissed off that this kid basically just took a few pot shots at me by posting that audio, and uh, I'm gonna put that at the bottom of my list of things to get to. I'll come back to him. Oh come on, people take shots at you on YouTube all the time. I mean. If you reacted every time someone said something nasty about you, you would never get anything done. I I think that I can picture – I actually picture Phil Schiller sitting in the room when they're on that phone call, to be honest with Why? you. Why? Why? Why would he care? I don't understand. I actually can't understand why you don't see how this totally betrays how absolutely obsessed with the – chatter online apple is i think they are absolutely consumed with their public image and they consider this a marketing thing how people think about the development for the ios platform is absolutely a a major corporate marketing bullet okay you're phil schiller you are one of you are a very rich very powerful executive you were worried about some young dude in romania like Yep. No, no, you're not. Yeah. Why? Oh, I guarantee you. No. I, gar- I guarantee you Phil Schiller is personally involved at every step right okay. now. Anybody who has had employees or, you know, deals go bad, there is someone somewhere who's going to say something. Have you not read books about Apple? Did you not read the Steve Jobs bio? Have you not read how his top execs are insanely involved at the little minutia at this co- for some of these things? Not everything, but there are some things that when they, they once they enter their target zone, they absolutely get involved at the ground level. It's it's you, one you of are their a, a level of pettiness that yeah. even oh, absolutely. Like small cafe if, owners don't. I, what I am doing is I am looking at all of the history of Apple spats we have, where emails get posted and quips get posted from their back and forth, and now audio gets posted, and I'm I'm evaluating that in its totality, and I am telling you that Apple is obsessed with their public image and how the iOS platform is viewed for developers as an as, is an absolutely top priority to them. That's why Phil Schiller – what's Phil Schiller's job? 
He is the head of marketing. He's not. The App Store is one of his responsibilities because the appearance of the App Store is a top priority for their iOS platform, which is how they make all their money. The reason why the top dude in marketing is in charge of the App Store is because of this very thing. Okay, I can think of at least 17 things he should be worried about, and I think that he is worried about other this than is why the MacBook Pro, This is why the MacBook has not been updated in forever. This oh, is wh- because Phil Schiller is no, sitting in a because, room reading iOS death Because logs. this is in Apple's DNA. This problem persists throughout all of their management, and they, they cannot fundamentally properly multitask. And that's why their products get out of date. That's why they just let things sit forever longer than they should. And this is an example okay. of it. I'm, All right. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Just let me pull the e-brake on this crazy train. You, you are saying that if Apple had a podcast Why do you Apple- think Phil Schiller goes on the talk show? Why do you think they do that? They it's are consumed with this to, issue. No, it's obvious that they go to a they, – they prefer when you're friendly to them. I yes, mean I've but they, and they go on there because they know that's going to cast them in the best light and a huge percentage of the Apple developer community follow John Gruber. He's like a 57-year-old man, isn't he? I mean come on. I'm really surprised that you don't have the – if you follow Apple for a long time, this is, seems obvious to me that this is the kind of stuff that – this, this is like Apple 101 marketing stuff to me. No, this is being a teenage, like, adolescent girl 101 is what it sounds like. Seriously, if what you're saying is true, they wouldn't even have, like, the backbone to put up a YouTube podcast because, oh, the comments are so mean. Oh, my God. The guy would – come on, dude. Mike, are you, are you- Mike, they literally disable all of the comments on their videos on YouTube. Uh, that's probably true. They Go look. Go look at the Apple YouTube channel. All of the comments are disabled. All right, well, I, <laughs> we're not going to agree because that is not a world I want to live in. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, I'm not saying he watches all things. I'm not saying he's got like a Twitter feed going that pings him all the time. But I'm saying when issues are brought to him by his so staff. So he's not the eye of Sauron. Is that? No, I mean, I think what happens is he has a staff that brings important matters that are now become a PR issue to his attention. And once it's at this level, it's it's an absolute. He's I, sitting in the room while, while he's on that phone. I, okay, I, I. We'll never I, know, but I guarantee it to you. Right, I, I, right. I'll bet you a steak. If we ever find out one way or the other, I'll, 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 if I'm wrong, I'll buy you a steak. All right. Well, well you know what, Phil? I want the steak. <laughs> <laughs> Although by telling Chris he's wrong, it means you heard this. Yeah. <laughs> right. He did listen until that one episode where we bashed on Apple and then they pulled our iTunes. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't say that. That yeah. was your best argument that they featured my app and, uh, and the show. Yeah, oh, and, and, and then we criticized. Yep. Yeah, off the featured page of the show. We pull it all out. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I it's just because I know you know. I know you know. I don't want to sound bitter because I know you know. <laughs> okay, one last thing on this. See, one scary thing is how quickly the Apple developer community kind of turned on this guy, and. I myself, if you listen to the back catalog, have had some pretty bad experiences with the Apple developer community not liking it when you don't toe the line. Yeah, you know why, too? Because Apple's watching the reactions and wants to see who the friendlies are. So you were implying some sort of vast – all right. You know what? This is getting like Vichy France here. This is getting collaborative. You, you think there's a reason why guys like Marco and Gruber just tapped, tiptoe around this and, uh, and Imore, they write it in a way that is absolutely I – mean, come on. Yeah, I will say Imore and a number of those outlets that you've mentioned were very uh, – who I, who I think are very intelligent people. There's a number of fallacies in their coverage of this. That yeah, I didn't hear any of them mention the bleeding amount theory. Hmm, seems like none of them brought that up because they don't want to talk about that stuff because they know Apple's reading. All right, we should move on because this is just getting us all All right, here's set. what you got to do. You got to hunker down and go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. Hunker down, everybody, and learn. Winter is coming, and it's never been a better time to learn because Linux Academy is now offering a seven-day free freaking trial. linuxacademy.com slash coders is where you land to support this show. And then go check out their features page. They have a ton of great things. It's a, it's, if you were going to sit back and totally envision the perfect platform to do this, I think this is what you'd come up with. And they've managed to pair it with a great set of back-end content instructors and writers that are available for help when you need them and are constantly updating the content. And they have video courses with self-paced, in-depth video courses that you could watch and really follow along with. And if you need, you can download comprehensive study guides on just about every damn Linux and cloud and DevOps topic out there, including things like Azure and AWS and OpenStack. They have hands-on scenario-based labs that give you experience on real servers. 
So you sort of solve that test anxiety by actually getting hands-on experience. I mean, I think that was probably the hardest thing for me back when I was taking, like, I even for a while was taking the Microsoft certifications and the, and a lot of, like, the, the networking certifications and the hardware. So I was like, oh, just the, the worst stuff you did when you were back in the IT help desk stuff. And the big problem was that even though they weren't particularly challenging for me, I have anxiety with the way that they question and the way that they, the way that they sort of ask about certain scenarios. And what I love about Linux Academy now is they have practice exams. This is something they've added a few months ago, and it's a great way to prepare to go get that cert test. It's a really nice system that will kind of prepare you, and then you combine that with the hands-on labs that give you the real-world experience. I think it would really go a long way to solving that test anxiety. And if you're looking for a new gig, they recently launched Public Profiles, a nice way to illustrate all of the courses you've completed at Linux Academy. They've rolled out iOS and Android apps, too. They constantly make your subscription valuable. Check them out with a seven-day free trial at linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Bum, 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 bum. Linuxacademy.com slash coders. I like this. I haven't read this uh, post you put in here, but I like this one because I'm, I always like taking a poke at JavaScript, how it feels to learn JavaScript <laughs> in 2016. I kid. I love JavaScript. I love GNOME. Yeah. So, yeah, this post was shared with me several times over the last two weeks, and we just didn't get a chance to cover it. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go into it in too deep because it's just basically how complicated and large the JavaScript uh, ecosystem has become. Yeah. But we're actually having an interesting problem over at Buccaneer. Oh, yeah? What's that? Where, you know, we have made – because, you know, when there's a VHS and a Betamax – I pick Betamax every time. Hey, oh, DVD Laserdisc, sign me up for those Laserdiscs, baby. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> yeah, every time. <laughs> so when it was Angular 2 or React, I went Angular 2. <laughs> Guess which percentage of the leads that come in are React or Angular 2? Bring it home. If you if there was ButterFS or ZFS, you went ButterFS. ButterFS every time. <laughs> so. What percentage would you say of the leads that come in are Angular 2? Hold on, Mike. Before we go too much further, Ooh. I just want to mention, you might consider monetizing this for the election somehow because uh, uh, you could maybe have people place bets based on who you're going to vote for. They'll, they could place bets on the other candidate. Well, I'm voting for Gary Johnston, so you're pretty much assured <laughs> that I'm not winning. <laughs> All right. So Angular versus React leads that come in. Angular 2 in particular. Oh, Do I know yeah. In fact, remove Ionic and okay. just say Angular. Okay. Angular v React. What's the percentage breakdown there? I'm going to say 10% Angular. You are high. Really? Oh, no. No. <laughs> and yes, I did go Sega Genesis for the chat room. Okay. Yes, All right. Okay. So you want me to try one more time? One more time. Okay. All right. Okay. 4%. How about zero? No. Oh, not no. one. That is. That's no good. That's no good. Swing and a hard miss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it's getting comical. Every year, you know, when something new comes out and there's two and you have to pick, I pick one and I'm. I don't think I've been right yet. Windows. Remember, yeah. remember when you remember the remember remember Windows eight? Yeah, yeah. Windows RT. It's going to be big, guys. Ooh, Ooh. forty thousand dollars later. Swing and a miss. Swing yeah. and a miss. Yeah. yeah. So uh, something uh, is happening in the JavaScript community that we've been talking about for a couple of years. I think we're actually starting to see some consolidation. I was wondering if you were going to mention this because I've sort of been picking up on that sniff too, and uh, this sort of goes right along with almost a two-year thread we had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, this is sort of, uh, at least if nothing else, kind of con- some, some consolidation and uh, and what's the word when things kind of co- coagulate together? <laughs> well, I, I, th- I think it's just, uh, you know, there are, we're now seeing winners and losers. And, and you know, it's, it's, I mean, React seems to be the winner. Worth, you know, the only place I'm seeing a lot of Angular still, uh, particularly Angular 2, is like .NET shops, and we're not really in that space because, you know, I, I don't hate myself anymore. Aww. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why that's happening. I will say that, you know, when we've done our Angular 2, we have never done it in TypeScript, and I wonder if the Angular 2 community kind of betting the ponies on TypeScript wasn't a great idea yeah, yeah 
but again, you talk to the .NET guys, and they will tell you a very, very different story. That hey, TypeScript's awesome, and Angular's great, and we have tons of work. What are you talking about? React is, um, I mean, so if I'm correct, it's got a good, it's got a good prestige in the sense that it, it kind of came from the guys at Facebook that are working on on building very scalable, high performing applications. So there, that's a great pitch line. When you're when you're in business, right? Well, Facebook uses it, and they got lots of servers. I mean, that actually resonates with clients. So th- there's that aspect to it. But my my other issue is is it's sort of easy to kind of illustrate out. You got React, you got the React DOM, you got these libraries here. This is how it's all going to be laid out. We'll pull. Well, it. But it, it's super different, right? Because it's yeah. a reactive programming model. I mean, and it's Anch- way more complicated than uh, than I think a lot of people when you're pitching it to them understand. You understand? So they're like they're selling it because it's it's got a good heritage, a good prestige. It's got an easy to demo and 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 wireframe out model, and it sort of betrays the complexity. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been trying to make a study of reactive programming in general because it's something I tried about was it nine months ago, ten months ago, and I literally wanted to throw up on the floor. I I don't, you know, this is almost the Swift effect, right? When Swift was first it's coming out, yep. I had people just calling me randomly and being like, hey, man, we, uh, we want to do this project. Awesome. Thanks for calling. Uh, but it has to be in Swift. Really? Why? It will cost more and take longer. Yeah, but Swift is the future. Like, and I have to say there is something and there's things in the reactive programming model that I'm sort of coming around to. But as Azer mentions in the chat, the React license is a touch on the scary side. It's not an open source license. It's, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it is open source, but it's got some things in there for facebook mm-hmm. uh but also this is so different from the traditional imperative uh kind of oo programming model i would even say it's weirder than functional programming which functional programming at its core isn't that complicated yeah. in theory yeah. react is <sighs> there's a level of abstraction there that I'm not sure I like. Yeah, that's how I feel. But then I feel like maybe I'm just being an old codger. Well, I mean, part of it is, you know, my, my Gary Johnson vote market driven. I'm at the point where I, you know, I'm getting people calling me about like Swift RX, which is the reactive programming iOS thing and uh, Java RX, right? Which is the Android one. So it's reactive programming for Android. I don't know... And, and this is maybe somewhere where I wish we could get someone on who was really big into this sort of thing. I don't yeah, know. Because maybe I, we, once you live it, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem so complex. Well, it's not even the complexity. This feels like a whole other way of thinking that eventually is going to. How do you say it? It's almost like you can't go back from it, right? It's something where you have to do it in that model, or you're beat. Um, it also creates a barrier of entry for kind of like hiring, like taking an off the line, you know, uh, two year degree JavaScript developer and handing them React JS <laughs> seems like just a really cruel joke. Hmm. Yeah, that is a challenge. But for whatever reason, and I, I would love, I would love to hear from kind of like IT managers or uh, people doing acquisition. What is it about React that? particularly React on the web, React.js, that is making it the thing that you purchase by. Yeah, I, I can only know. speculate. I'd love to get the feedback because if I were going to if I were gonna speculate, I would just say something about investment, blah, 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 way of the future. Yeah. yeah, but in the web space, the future is like every three months. I mean, mm-hmm. you, when, well, here's how when they call up, you say, uh, friends, can I tell you about... My good, my good, good friends over at Angular. And they've got this Angular 2. It's really great. And you combine that with this TypeScript. It's really simple. It'll be easy to maintain. And you can pick up lots of skilled workers out on the market to maintain it down the road if you ever need. It's really something. We've deployed lots of these. You should try that out. How do you think they would respond to that? Well, I've tried that, right? I mean, we've, um, you know, we've had some success kind of turning folks who want to go mobile uh, to use Angular on mobile in the form of Ionic. Yeah, okay. 
But that has been a total value prop sell. That's been it's just going to be cheaper. Our bid is lower than the other bid. Yeah, yeah. But on the web, where budgets tend to be uh, more enterprisey, i.e., bigger. Yeah. You get one a, a different type of person calling, and you know it's not their money they're spending. Yeah, and they're used to seeing higher price tags. Right. So going one, I think Angular for some reason does have these. Well, to be fair, the Angular 1 to Angular 2 transition is not exactly easy. Um, I still have stuff on Angular 1 because it's just not worth the effort to try to transition. The same for the Ionic 1 to Ionic 2 transition. It's just not that, and that's a byproduct of Angular. There, there is something about, you know, I almost feel like the Angular team made such a big change to Angular 2 by emphasizing TypeScript and doing a number of other things that they did. That, well, I think the changes are actually good other than the TypeScript thing. And I wouldn't even say it's bad. It's just not for me. It opened up an opportunity for someone like Facebook to come in with React and say, oh, instead of going through all that pain, we have this great new thing. Yeah. Yeah. And trust us, we have lots of servers. Lots of users. Looks pretty solid. Right. I, mean, I mean, the argument of it worked for Facebook, right? I mean, yep, that's kind yep, of yep. that's kind of the the argument, which is a tough argument to refute. But I don't know, man. Especially when you have aspirations of building the next Facebook or something like that. Yeah. Well, you know what we need to do? We need to get a little input from the yeah. audience. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com/contact and choose Coda Radio from the drop down and send us in your thoughts, or go to codaradio.reddit.com. You can also tweet Mike. Where should they find you, Mike? At Jumanuku on Twitter. Oh, what about the business? Come on, plug the business for me. At Buccaneer Tech on Aha, Twitter. Good man. And also you can follow me at Chris LAS. And you can follow the network's announcements at Jupiter Signal. Don't forget about that t-shirt. Just three days left. So if you're listening to this now, act fast. Teespring.com slash coder dash radio, where the dash remains. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>